to Radio Brews News, the podcast that opens up a little. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, colleague, uh, all-round good guy, uh, I think he sometimes executive produces, Peter Mitchum. How are you, Prof? Easy there, big fella. <laughs> I've, I've done, you know, there's stuff in the works, there's stuff like, hey, we're regular, we're weekly, uh, we've had lots of good feedback, which is great, a little bit of criticism that perhaps we've... Um, spoken about 90% of the, the beer that's available in this country a little bit too much and we've taken that on board. Uh, anything else we need, I don't know if there's anything else we need to add on that, was it? Oh, no, no, look, we, we've taken it on board. Yeah, no, we, you know, we've had a bit of feedback that maybe we're spending too much time talking about the big things. But look, I think, um, you know, trickle-down economics, you know, it, if we talk about the big stuff, um, it, it has an effect on the little stuff as well. So that's one of the reasons. And, you know, geez. Should, should we, as you said, should we ignore something that's you know more than ninety percent of the the beer market, um, just because we've got our interest in our own little niche? Um, anyway, look, I, I think all in all, craft beer gets far more um, attention on the show than you know it, its market share warrants. But you know, and I think our um, readers or our listeners are probably interested in all stuff. Otherwise, I guess they probably wouldn't be listening. But anyway, no, look, we we, we take all feedback on board. Um, we we listen to it, and uh, yeah, please get in contact and. Let us know what you think. Yeah, cool. What's been happening this week? Oh, it might have been flat out. Big, big week last week of um, tastings, um, which was good. You know, it's uh, doing corporate tastings. But on the weekend, a mate got me into his friend's school to do a beer and beef masterclass. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have the budget. I did it for free, so we didn't have the budget to fly you up because you're my regular beef uh, uh, tong master. Um Beef ambassador. Beef yeah. ambassador, yeah. And uh, but no, we we had one of the chefs from the Norman Hotel, which is a famous Australia, a famous um, beef hotel up here. He did the beef, yeah. I did the beer, and uh, you know blew the dads away. I was you know pulling out um, you know, Jasper Ale, Mountain Goat Hightail Ale, uh, Vale uh, IPA, um, Squires Amber Ale. Um, you know, I had a really good. Um, mix of of beers uh, my wife's bitter from burley um all matched to different cups of beef just to show some of the dads um the flavor and you know it really went very well so it, you know i whenever i do those tastings um you know they always get seem to enjoy the flavor particularly when you serve it with food and uh you know i'm sure some of those people stick uh, into it or you know it's broadened their horizons a little bit um and then someday i uh um did a freebie for the Brisbane Cheese Awards. Uh, they wanted to uh, get beer in, you know, and mate, when you go along to the Cheese Awards, it is the gourmet um, groupies, you know, really good people, really into good food, all things that are good, exactly the sort of people beer should be targeting. Fantastic day, really good, did some uh, really fun cheese matches, um, pulling out Australian craft beer with a little bit of uh, Belgian... Um, you know, dark, strong Belgian ale thrown in as well. And uh, yeah, had a lot of fun. So yeah, Brisbane is really starting to... Actually, and the other thing I did yesterday was uh, get along to Brisbane's latest good beer bar, the Tipplers Tap. So, uh, you know, tips Malid to the Tipplers Tap. Try saying that after you've been to the... When you're leaving the Tipplers Tap, I have to say. But uh, no, really great little craft beer bar doing some fantastic food and uh, 10 taps of craft beer goodness. Excellent, and a good opportunity to uh, implore our listeners to, or encourage our listeners to get out and try some of the venues that are trying to support uh, a range of beer, offering alternatives, um, as well as you know those that are, are just offering a, a, a choice of quantity um, to make sure that uh, this thing that we call craft beer uh, gets the support that it deserves. And that it sticks around. You know, I'm still. I've got an idea for an article that I'm. I, I think might get a few hackles up. Um, just asking the question whether or not, you know, there is the possibility of a craft beer bubble. Um, you know, in, in not not the bubble that we talk about, where you go from good beer bar to good beer bar to good beer bar and think that the whole world is full of good beer. Um, I'm talking about yeah. the, you know, GFC type uh, investment bubble, um, where suddenly too many craft breweries open up um, that may not be sustainable or may be based on a little bit of excitement and enthusiasm. Um, but unless the beer drinkers, um, you know, really value what they've got, um, it, it could all go away very quickly. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, yep. yeah. So, so that's good advice, Prof. And, and mate, what have you been up to? You, you've been busy? Uh, well, interesting that you sort of gave a shout out to a few, uh, a few beers that, 
obviously with my involvement in uh, doing some barbecuing and American style slow barbecue particularly, as well as the you know the regular stuff that keeps the family fed on a weekly basis. Um, those kind of malty and hoppy beers with a little bit of character, but uh, that, that are perhaps ignored, but are perhaps uh, overlooked for you know the fancier, shinier, new toys on the shelf um, on occasions, because as so I've um, found that they are particularly good matches with barbecue and I'd encourage anyone to, to grab a, whether it be a Vale IPA, a, a Mountain Goat Hightail, my wife's bitter from Burley Brewing, which is an absolute cracker. Um, those multi, but well-balanced with the hop yep. side of things, beers, um, yeah, just, just working really well. Interestingly, this week I have sort of, I guess, gone to the other end and we were talking about, I received uh, some feedback from, uh, we were talking about, I can't remember, remember what it was, uh, but we got onto the, the subject of Big Helga might have been because Vincent Rui was saying that that just sort of hasn't taken off as perhaps it should have. So I went out and bought myself a case of, um, just to sort of, you know, I guess, put my beer where my mouth is and really enjoying it. I, 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 I'm not meaning to, you know, sort of wave the banner or anything like that, but just... Yeah, well, you, you, you know, wouldn't want to be accused of being a shill for a CUB, again. would you, Prof? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I've got the receipt, all right? So I've paid full whack retail for it if anyone wants to challenge me. So it's, I'm putting my money and my beer where my mouth is. Um, and also, while I was there, just happened to notice, I thought, oh, yeah, the Cooper's uh, 150 anniversary ale, the, the first of the the Thomas Cooper's Brewers um, selection. Uh, and uh, we sort of had a little bit of a chat about it when it was coming out and when we talked to, to Dr. Tim. I love it. I think it's a, a cracking good beer, but I'll probably be accused of again. Oh, no, maybe. Well, no, 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 that's not fair. It it, it perhaps uh, is not as characterful as some other beers that are around, but it is. It's a good example of a really well balanced, easy drinking. Uh, uh, do something else while you're having a drink and still appreciate it kind of beer. Yeah, I don't know what you think. Oh no, no. Look, I um, it, it was one that perplexed me a little bit and. This shows where perception really matters. I'd been so looking forward to that. We'd spoken to Tim Cooper, and I think he uh, you know, announced that they were doing this special beer when we spoke to him um, a little bit earlier in the year. Um, and he told us, and we were sort of, I think we were sort of tweeting at that stage, and we got some suggestions, and you know, we were talking about an IPA and those sorts of things. He was talking about it, and uh, you know, it's the 150th anniversary, and I'm a huge fan of their, their annual Extra Strong Vintage Ale. So I was imagining something that was bigger than the extra strong vintage ale and was really going to wow. And then I got it. And it was, you know, I'm a, I love my uh, Cooper's Sparkling. It's you know, one of my, you know, Desert Island beers. Yeah. But, you know, when I got the 150th anniversary, it was sort of like sparkling with a little bit of darker malt. And, you know, it was, it was tricked up a little bit. But, you know, I, I just sort of thought, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, absolutely nothing wrong with it but and so so it was I, I think I might have um undersold it when I wrote about it because I described it as you know you, you've got a big anniversary like your 20 year anniversary with your wife coming up you've promised her a you know a, a special celebration and you take her down to the local bistro that you always go to and you've just put some flowers on the table um you know sure it's it's better than normal or, you know it's, it's more special than normal but it's not exactly sweeping anybody off its feet but but only because you're saying it is, yeah. Yeah, well, well, no, no, but it is right. because it, 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 it's the same thing, just a little bit more special. Um, and yeah. you know, that's nothing to be sneezed at, and, and it's fantastic. But no. you know, as I come back to it, you don't turn 150 every day. You know, geez, you come on, you you, you want a few bells and whistles or something crazy. But uh, anyway, th- yeah, that was just if, me. But if you if you if you want to invite everybody to your party, then you 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 can't hold it. You know, sort of in the lounge room at home. You've got to, I guess, open it up to a broader, you know, a, a more good a metaphor I, I there, a, Prof. Very good meta. Yes, a beige canvas. Yeah. So you want everybody to to try it, and then perhaps lead into. And look, maybe maybe the whole marketing um, thinking behind it is that that gets people back on board with Coopers. Uh, it takes away from the regular packaging and all that sort of thing, and, and gives them this new brand sort of imaging to look at. And then when the craft, you know, the, the Coopers craft. Uh, selection and the the uh, brewers selection comes uh, comes online. They're then ready for it, recognizing it. I don't know because I'm not a marketing person, so I don't know how that works. But that's just a guess. Oh no, but we, we're consumers of marketing. Um, yeah, look, uh, mate, that, that's a, that's a very good point. You know, and 
you're exactly right. If you if you if you do want everyone to come to the party, you can't make it too exclusive. Um, so yeah, look, I, I'd not thought yeah, of it that no, way. No velvet ropes. Um, and and, and yeah, I guess I had been ropes. thinking that uh, you know, you know, I, I was looking for a little bit of you know dividend to, to all of the beer lovers that have been uh, loving it. But uh, we, we, but that actually brings you into a nice uh, segue into Cooper's uh, the, the the shout, which is one of the industry. Um, Trade websites uh, reported a, an interview with Glenn Cooper recently, um, and I'll, I'll link to that where Glenn was talking that this uh, Thomas Cooper's range might uh, be the springboard for a an ongoing craft range. What do you think of that? I think it's a great idea because, I, regardless of uh, where Cooper sees themselves, they have to appreciate that you know perception is nine tenths reality. So. If people look at Coopers in terms of their size, uh, the the average punter has heard that uh, Coopers has fought off you know a, a bid from Lion Nathan back uh, three four years ago. Therefore, if they can beat somebody that big, they must be pretty big themselves. Therefore, I don't consider them to be in the same category as Mountain Goat or Cheryl. Uh, just just or, on that, I don't think their right? size had anything to do with it. It was it was a legal, not a financial victory that oh, yeah, they had. I, um, no, no, I know that. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'm just talking about how, how it was perceived from, from the outside. So I, I, I think just factors, the fact that it's been around so long, the fact that it's now sitting in taps next to a tap that's, that's dispensing Carlton Draft and Pure Blonde in a lot of mainstream sort of, you know, uh, local, you know, commu- you know, suburban sort of pubs, I think Cooper's has, has now developed an image that it's more mainstream than it perhaps really is or that it previously was. So I think uh, the concept of bringing out a Cooper's craft range is brilliant because I, I think it then says, oh, great, because I actually have a warm spot for Cooper's because it's the last Australian-owned independent, et cetera, et cetera, for whatever that's worth in terms of, you know, cachet and, and, and that sort of cultural uh, credibility. Then you say, this is good, I've now got... I can I still like them, and I can, or I can go back to liking them. And now they're they're actually making some beer that's specifically for me, whereas perhaps I didn't see it as that before. I, I think it's great positioning. Yeah, it, I mean, it will be interesting because it, it, I mean, I think Coopers has had this uh, internal battle because my understanding is that when the Craft Beer Industry Association was formed, uh, you know, twelve months ago. Um, Coopers initially said that they didn't see themselves as a craft brewery and so weren't necessarily yeah, yeah. interested. But yeah. then they came back, and I think Glenn Cooper, you know, probably realizing the the marketing um, potential for being a craft brewery, he said, "Hey, hold on, yeah, we are a craft brewery. We want to be part of it." Um, so there, there, there seems to be this confusion within the brewery, and you can understand that when you know they're. Uh, they're they're putting so much store into uh, Cooper's Clear, you know, and w- which is one of their fast growing brands. Um, yeah. Cooper's Pale yeah. is growing very quickly as well, um, but you know, I, I, Cooper's is going to be one of those is one of those funny breweries that you know, ultimately Cooper's is great beer. Um, the, the, the Cooper's Sparkling, Cooper's Stout, um, Cooper's Pale, um, all fantastic beers, and whether they're regarded as craft or not really doesn't matter. But I just wonder how they're going to go, you know, what sort of beers that they're going to come out with if um, the Thomas Cooper's range is indicative of, the, of their beers. I just have a feeling that, um, you know, Cooper's has a bit of a house style thing. I just sort of wonder how far they can push that um, and, and, and keep coming up with something a little bit different. Well, well, let, let, let's look at, say, Murray's um, and Sean Sherlock has uh, since day dot uh, murray's has had this thing uh that they use exclusively new zealand hops so that's like their house style but does that's if you don't promote that openly if you sort of mention oh yeah we happen to use that, 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 that. if you don't have it on your labeling then it's then your house style is not really i, I guess an issue yeah, so look, cooper's and, and, and no offense to any of the brewers that, that are at um right. cooper's um but i think you know, it, it, it it's a little bit like, you know, just describing uh, the, the bloke who paints your house very, very well to, uh, you know, um, an avant-garde artist. Again, I mean, that, 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 sound, that, that sounds like a, a slap, which it's not. You know, it's, it's one set of highly prized skills, but it's still different from an artistry, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but no, my point though, Matt, was that it's just 
you know, if, you, if you're about promoting, like to me, Coopers is all about, and I know it's not anymore, but it, to me, it's all about that kind of ambient um, fermentation temperature and open vats and, you know, that whole old style thing that, you know, uh, basically created the Australian style um, pale ale. But I know, you know, so that's kind of that warm, fuzzy feeling from history. Um, and in the same way, Murray's has this thing where they use New Zealand hops. I'm not, I'm not comparing the two skill sets. I'm just saying every small brewer, I guess, every brewer has, if you, if you really look deep enough, they kind of have, that's their thing. But it's not necessarily what they whack on the label in order. No, but I, I guess it's, it's just kind of that. The, the point I'm making is that um, Cooper's house style gives it a sameness to the beers, whereas Murray's, it, it, you know, Murray's house style, which is the example you're using, uh, Murray's okay. house style, yes, it's using New Zealand hops, but you've got far more hops to use, and their, their house style is to be flamboyant in using them. Um, there, there's not really a flamboyance about any of the the, the Cooper's beers, um, you know, it, it, except maybe the, uh, the the vintage ale. Um, and, and I just sort of wonder how how much of a range you can have um, with you know, a, a, a unless you do bring on your you know a game or you you, you bring on your flamboyance, um, which we, we really haven't seen from Cooper's. And- yeah, and that's it. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe this is their opportunity to take on a, you know, a, a young brewer or to have a set up but a, that, a totally that, different kind of um, section of the brewery that just sort of... Well, and which brings me back to my stuff. first point about the anniversary beer, if that's what they were going to do, and if the anniversary beer was launching their new range, then can you have, you know, does that make your analogy... Or, or your metaphor moot and say, you know, that you can't invite everybody to the party. How dare you moot my metaphors? But yeah, you, 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 you. <laughs> anyway, look. Yeah, anyway, look, yeah, I think we've sort of uh, got that issue on the ground and, uh, you know, it's, it's not breathing. Um, mate, who are we talking to today? Uh, today is the long-awaited debut of uh, Jade Blade. From, uh, We've had a couple of interviews with Jade, who, and she, Jade happened to uh, come along when we were finding it very hard to get uh, shows out. Um, but uh, as, as has been remarked, we're regular. Um, so uh, yeah, look, how about we don't delay any longer? We just get in uh, and uh, actually tell us who Jade is first for for those who aren't uh, au fait with the whole uh, publican uh, you know, name publicans of Australia. Uh, she's the publican and uh, part owner. I think there are three altogether, business partners, uh, who own, operate, and take from strength to strength the Witch Hotel in uh, Pepperton. In Let's Adelaide. get her on. And, and yes, now we're joined by Jade Flavel from the Wheat Chief in Adelaide. Jade, welcome to Radio Bruce News. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very well. Now, I should point out that this isn't the first time that you've joined Pete and I but it is the first time you've joined our regular listeners. Uh, we've had a couple of shows that didn't ever quite make it to air. Indeed, indeed. Well, you know, a bit, a bit of practice never hurt anyone, I reckon. <laughs> well, we're expecting big things from you this time then. <laughs> Jade, tell us a little bit about the Weedy. For, for those that haven't been to Adelaide, um, tell us uh, you know, your background at, at the Weedy and uh, you know, a little bit about the hotel. Sure. Well, the, the, the pub itself uh, has been a pub for its entire life, so it's one of those... Uh, Lovely two-storey red brick, old-school uh, Australian pubs. Um, not not too many of the like in certainly in South Australia left anymore. Uh, it was built as a single-storey stone pub on the north uh, northeastern corner of our block, and apparently uh, over that period it was a bit of a red light district and fell into ill uh, ill repair and disrepute and was was closed down and uh, was rebuilt in the current site in 1919. So she's been around for a while and. Uh, has traded as a pub for that for that entire time. Very much a, a working class district, um, aluminium smelters and, and uh, tanneries and all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, it was big on the uh, the, the perpendicular drinking phase throughout the uh, you know the uh, six o'clock swill and the like. Cleaned up a little bit in the in the eighties uh, and nineties and was always regarded as a uh, affectionately regarded as a shambles, as as it were. It was a <laughs> A live music, live music pub, which was great. And uh, although the, our immediate predecessors uh, ran it down to the ground to a degree, 
to to uh, to their credit, they never touch pokies, and they were one of the few pubs in SA to say one of the few struggling pubs to say, look, not interested in pokies, and and always had a real passion for live music, and it was you know it's pretty rough uh, music wise, you know they had the Mother's Day massacres and death metal fests and all that kind of gear, and you know the uh, the public phone was stolen every second week, and you know bricks through the front windows and all that kind of hoo-ha. So it was it was a bit of a lively a lively crowd, and. Uh, so it was perfect for us, really. We thought, this is fantastic. Um, and myself and two business partners, uh, Liz and Em, uh, had been aware of the Weedy for a long time. We used to be Liz's local. And uh, again, affectionately regarded as a sham. We had a, had a real character to it, if somewhat neglected. And uh, and then the opportunity became uh, available. The pub became available, and we thought, oh, it's absolutely perfect. So in a, in a west, it's about five, five minutes out of the, the CBD. And... Again, still somewhat of a, a working class suburb, but being uh, you know hipstified and gentrified at a rate of knots as they tend to be. Um, and we've been here for nine and a half years, so our, our plan was to very much keep it as an old old school pub, um, absolutely maintain the, the live uh, live music focus, although change the style somewhat, and uh, and introduce craft beer. So craft beer is a particular passionate of mine, passion of mine, and I just thought fantastic walking into a pub at the time that only had two taps. One was Western, one was Cooper Sale. It was um, effectively a, a blank slate in in that regard, and and um, you know perfect to to slowly uh, introduce craft beer over the the next sort of nine and a half ten years. Jade, there's also um, I guess, and it's obviously part of your passion, uh, and as offering a diversified sort of um, offerings at the pub as well as the craft beer is very much sort of uh, uh, I guess you know. Encouraging the arts and culture and all that sort of thing. So you have um, exhibitions. You have you've touched a little bit there on the um, music side of things. So that's obviously that's that's part of the whole the whole philosophy of the Weedy. It's not just a you know like a, a cynical add-on to try to attract extra people in. No, absolutely not. It's it's, it's sort of uh, it's it's core of what we're about. I mean, we, we had discussions. We've all worked in pubs uh, for for many many years, twenty to, to thirty years each, and uh, predominantly in non pokey live music venues that you know that, that had a bit of character had a bit had a bit of soul so to speak um and there was you know never any question of us uh, going anywhere near a pub that did have pokies i think that's a you know it's a pretty pretty uh, lazy and somewhat dubious way of, of earning your keep and we thought no pubs should be um about people they should be about community they should be social spaces as opposed to anti-social spaces which you know in, in my opinion you know that's what that's what pokies are that's what pokies uh Represent, you know, the anti-social side of a pub. They're turning pubs into casinos, not pubs. So part of that whole ethos, certainly the craft beer, it's going to be giving be real with character, personality, made by real people, a bit of interaction there. It's live music and original live music. So you know, we're not just talking, you know, 60, 40 cover bands in in the corner. It's uh, original experimental stuff, four to six nights a week. It's supporting local uh, artists, some of whom are quite established, some are just starting out. Um, it's it's whiskey tasting, so we you know we've been conducting our own witty whiskey sessions with a real educational bent as well um, for the last uh, nine years now, and we're looking at you know whiskey faults. You know I think it's it's fantastic that we can you know we can uh, fill a tasting of, of 60 punters you know get them to to, to rock up for a, for a session on whiskey faults. So we spend pretty much the entire session tasting really dodgy whiskey, and that's you know that's fantastic, and the demand for that now is is extraordinary. Um, likewise with beer, with wine, similar similar kind of philosophy. It's small, independent producers, single vineyard stuff, experimental stuff, and so it's, it's you know we we don't touch cocktails, premixed drinks, RTD shooters, all that kind of gear. It's it's about quality booze in an old school, relaxed pub environment. So you can you know you can rock up in your jeans and t-shirt and uh, spend seventy dollars on a bowl of beer, or you can rock up in a suit and spend three dollars on a butcher. You know, and and everything in between. So. Pubs should be social spaces, as far as we're concerned, and, and community spaces, and, and that's just a, as, as part of, uh, of of what we do. It is what we do, and it's it's why we're involved in pubs. Did it take time to build the the, the venue to that? Like, did you have to build it and they come, or did the existing clientele stay on and uh, appreciate the change? Um, was it a transition, or was it an immediate uh, change to craft beer? Well, it was it was it was a bit of both. I mean. In terms of the craft beer, there weren't too many uh, existing customers here. Uh, those that, that stuck around and were very keen to, to see what we were doing with the pub when we first bought it, we closed for three months to renovate. Um, 
those that hung around are, are absolute gems, you know, and we've been blessed in that respect with some with some, some fantastic uh, locals who'd been coming to the pub for, you know, 20, 30 years in some cases. Um, and so we, we did inherit, so to speak, a, a cracking group of locals, many of whom we'd known from, from other venues and other, you know, other walks of life. Um, but in terms of the craft beer, there was, yeah, as I said, it was, it was pretty much a blank slate. So we had two taps. The first thing we did was uh, to put in another, another, uh, another six. So then we went from, you know, from two to eight. And then it was a, you know, a gradual sort of increase up to the current 12 plus a hand pump. In terms of what we poured, um, the intent was always there to, to just go craft, but the availability was really limited. You know, nearly nearly 10 years ago, we're talking. So uh, early days, you know, ex- exciting, um, really exciting tap developments were uh, to land James Squire Porter, for instance, on tap. And we were the first pub, um, first venue, I believe, outside Sydney to be pouring the James Squire Porter on tap. You know, obviously we were pouring Coopers um, and and James Squire for, for, for some time because that was that was what was around. Then Little Creatures um, <clears throat> made it a particular mission of mine to uh, hound and harass Little Creatures until they relented and sent us some pallet of kegs. And I'm sure they were thinking, what was this strange little pub in the western suburbs of Adelaide want to pay all for? And um, and they did, and, and you know, unsurprisingly it went it went remarkably well, and that, that became an absolute hit here. And then we developed the, that, that relationship with Creatures, poured Rogers, um, poured their pills and had a house draft, which at the time, you know, some six, seven years ago, was uh, reasonably uh, r- radical for a pub, um, and then sourced other beers. And then it was Mountain Goat, similar deal. I sort of stalked them for a, for a while until they just said, look, just take the kegs and leave us alone. Um, <laughs> and the punters loved it. Feedback was fantastic. We knew by that point we had um, uh, the, the punter base, the, the craft beer drinkers, who, who would absolutely appreciate and were crying out for some of that kind of quality. And then it was Mubu, same deal with them, sort of harassed and stalked them until they gave us beer. And we were the first pub on the mainland to be pouring Moo uh, consistently. And after after Moo, um, it became much easier. And obviously the whole scene was changing by that by that point as well. So the more and more high-quality local crafties opening up, interstate crafties, and the import scene exploded as well. So, you know, whereas early, early days in terms of sourcing beer was much more difficult, much more limited. And it was, you know, very much a case of going as craft as you could. Um, now, you know, as you, as you know, there are just literally hundreds and hundreds of, of fantastic beers out there, and it's a matter of, um, you know, it's a matter of balancing them. And, and in terms of that, we try and have a, uh, a combination of local craft beers on tap. So we'll always support some local crafties, some interstate crafties, and then some imported crafties. And, and increasingly, that's that's you know, that's that's all we've had on tap probably for the last six or so years now, so we're spoiled for choice. In terms of punters, uh, early days it was sort of dragging and kicking and screaming into the world of craft. Um, not everyone. Some people had, you know, had heard we're dead keen on craft and wanted to come and check it out. Um, but others, was we'd have people rock up as West End drinkers or as Cooper's Pale drinkers, and then it was, it was, a, it was a slow sort of process of, of, of um, you know, just, just try this, taste this, what are you tasting, how about that? And they're... Um, you know, they're, they're some of the the, the the great things, you know, personally. Nothing warms the cockersy heart, you know, than taking a West End drinker to, uh, you know, then to, to, to Cooper's, say, and then to Creatures Pale, and now they're, you know, some of the, the best beer palettes and beer customers that we have here. And that's that's fantastic. Do you have any advice for other venues? It's something we always ask publicans um, who have made a good go of our craft beer. Do you have any advice for publicans um, to get... Uh, their, their drinkers to drink craft beer. Can you just put it on and it will sell? It requires effort. So uh, you you can put it on these days. You, you, you can put a craft beer on and it, and it will sell to a degree, depending on the venue. But obviously, the more um, uh, the more effort that you make and the more you know uh, enthusiasm that you can you can generate, um, the better it will do. Obviously, you need to put a good craft beer on to begin with. Not all craft is good. Um, you put a good craft beer on. And it's, I see it as, as our job to uh, encourage the punters to taste it, give away a couple of tastings, say, you know, talk to them, engage with them about what, what kind of flavours they're after or, or that, what they've had before, what they might like, and just give them a couple of tastings, talk them through it. Not too many people will knock back free beer. There's still a few, mind you, but not too many people will knock back free beer and, and, and just, you know, lead, lead, them, lead them on that, um, you know, on that good old beer journey. Um, so be prepared to put in the time. I mean, do the research yourself. Know what you're selling. 
be able to tell customers why you're selling it, why you've got it on tap, why you think it's better than all the other craft alternatives or non-craft alternatives in particular. Um, do your research, get your staff interested, staff tasting, staff knowledge. Knowledge is, is absolutely paramount, but, but so is passion and enthusiasm. And you know, if, if, if staff are excited about something, um, they'll sell it well. You know, and if the beer is good enough, it'll then sell itself. And that's been our, our approach as well. If, you know, if you're fussy enough about the beer that you choose to put on tap, it's your job to encourage the customer to try it, and then it's the brewer's job to keep the punter drinking it because it's, it's a good enough beer. So um, do your research staff knowledge, staff training, have passion about you know for it yourself. Keep it turning over, keep it fresh, look after your lines, look after your beer, you know, all, all, all the basics, but uh, just, just you know, raise it up a few notches and and to a degree also, um, you can channel people, you know, and they can't have a pint of West End draft if it isn't on tap, for instance. And, you know, we were a little bit resident early days again, you know, nine and a half years ago, taking off a pub draft, which at the time was Cooper's draft and putting on Little Creatures Pilsner. And we said, no, no come on, let's just, let's just give it a crack and, and see how it goes. And you, you get a bit of, you know, a bit of uh, uh, a few tantrums and a, and a few people carrying on. But essentially, most people will find something else to drink and, and, you know, many of those people will actually end up preferring the alternative. So you can, if you know, hundreds of only, about only drink what you give them in that sense. So it's, it's a bit of both, you know. It's, it's, it's gently leading people, showing them other, other beers, other flavours and, and seeing how you go with that. And also just getting rid of the crap on tap, you know, and so you're narrowing people's choices and forcing them to drink well, so to speak, and uh, more often than not, that works a treat. It's a good lesson, you know, too, I think, for uh, venue owners in learning that, uh, from your experience, that it's also, that's that's only half of it. It's very much a two-way street. And your passion and your persistence has, has paid off, I guess, in that, like you were saying, it was, you almost had to beg to put, you know, please be here, whereas now you're sort of on that list of, um, of, of, of brewers, uh, uh, you know, I guess, you know, partners to sort of say, right, we've got this new one coming out, let's offer it to the let's offer it to these other sort of, you know, key venues. So it's, it's um, you've really turned that around through persistence um, and you really do need that relationship because then you start getting some of the specials, you start getting the support and all that sort of thing, which then feeds onto your, your hunters. Absolutely, and I, and I imagine, um, you know, as a brewer, I know it would be the case if, if, if I was, you know, brewing craft beer and sending it out there, I'd want to be sending it to venues that appreciate it, both in terms of uh, the venue itself and in terms of the punters. And, you know, for me, that's that's the ideal situation, I, I would think. So the more you can, you know, present yourself as one of those venues that, that respects the beer, takes it really seriously, loves it and will present it well, um, then, you know, the brewers would be crazy not to sell it to you, wouldn't they? You know, and I, I think, you know, there are some bars you know obviously the, the, the scene's changing all the time but open up and straight away want you know limited releases and they're only five kegs of a, of a particular you know particular beer and 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 they want all of the allocation and you know for me I, you know i kind of thought you you got to earn your stripes you know you got to do, do do the hard yards and and sort of establish yourself as a serious beer venue um or at least take the you know take the, the beer seriously if, you, if not yourselves too seriously and, and and take it from there you know the brewers Generally speaking, you know, they're pretty pretty good idea of who who you know who uh, respects their beer, you know, and I think they'll they'll tend to reflect that. So, you know, there is an element of uh, venues selecting and deselecting themselves. You know, obviously there are geographical limitations to some of this as well. So, you know, far less likely to for a, a pub in Perth to get a limited release from local beer house, for instance. Um, but you know, generally speaking, I reckon you know it sort of sorts itself out pretty well in terms of who gets what. <laughs> How it's looked after. Here's probably a pretty good opportunity to throw in a bit of a plug for some of the, you. You spoke of some of the, um, you know, trying to support the local uh, craft beer. Who are, who are the, perhaps some of the uh, players in the market that those of us on the eastern seaboard and those in the west may not be so familiar with? Yeah, well, I guess um, you'd be familiar with the local beer house, and you know, for my money, they're. Um, they're uh, producing some of the, the best beer in, in, in the state, not country, because Al's fantastic, and he's really embraced uh, exper you know, experimenting a bit more now. So he's, he's got his, his, his solid, you know, core beers that he's, that he's churning out consistently and very well, and he's starting to play a lot more with, you know, double hopping, barrel aging, you know, looking at cask, releasing some cask beer, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we're going to see a lot more... Um, 
a lot more innovation from from our some really exciting stuff happening there. Blue Boys, you would have seen a little bit of, um, yep. and they're you know they're quietly plugging away. And they um, again they they're releasing a lot of you know one or two keg releases sometimes you know on their little pilot brewery and you know the Hoppopotamus, which is a a, a really really you know resiny thick and bitter double APA uh, was an absolute cracker. And we you know we were lucky to get get a keg of that. You know, they, they were selling that at the brewery. So they're mucking around a bit as well. Double, you know, double Ace of Spades. The Double Spades, which is like an Imperial version of their Ace of Spades. So they, they've been releasing some really interesting things. Steam Exchange, likewise, are starting to, to play a bit. Um, and there are some quite exciting developments that are happening down there, which I probably can't quite tell you about. But they involve, um, you know, uh, taking taking beer that next step, which may or may not require, a, you know, distillation and uh, barrel aging. So there's stuff mm-hmm. happening there. Um, there are another couple of local, obviously Bid and Brow have now relocated to um, uh, up to Queensland. So they, you know, we're not seeing as much of them, but uh, they're still, you know, round and about. Uh, yeah. Boston Brewing still doing bits and pieces. There are, uh, I'd say, three breweries that will be opening in the next six to twelve months up here, which is really exciting. Um, a couple in wineries and one as a as a freestanding brewery. So it's it's funny in a sense. SA is taken a bit longer. Than many of the other states in terms of uh, in terms of craft breweries, and I think uh, Coopers, in a sense, has been a double-edged sword for us. On the one hand, we've never had it as bad as you guys because we've always had ales and, and full-flavoured, you know, complex ales. We've had you know, sparkling and stout at the very least, and so it's never been that bad. It hasn't been the same drive to to um, you know to produce craft, uh, and yeah. we've been used to beer that you can't see through. You know, we're we're fine with that. We've been fine with that for a long time. But it has, uh, I think, to a degree, sort of held back the development of craft here because everyone's like, well, yeah, but you can go anywhere and get a Cooper's as opposed to anywhere in the eastern states or, or west and you know, you go anywhere and you just get lager, lager, lager. So it's been, it's been interesting. It's taken a little bit longer, but now um, I think there are really some, some uh, fairly significant uh, things happening in the, in the scene here. And um, I know Al's you know, struggling to keep up with demand and he's, as with many of the... You know the the better crafties interstate. They're really looking at, you know, scaling up and and taking it from there. But he's at the moment um, struggling to keep up with local demand, which is a, a, a fantastic place to be in, I reckon. And that that's it's a great problem to have. Absolutely, and it's and he's not sending a lot of gear interstate. Um, and you know whether he does that later on or not. But the, the fact is that locals are now really crying out for his beer, which is a which is fantastic. Jade, how does the um How's the New South, uh, the, sorry, the Adelaide uh, or South Australian government support for craft brewers? I know up here, one of the things in, in some states, um, the, the craft brewers get similar support to the wineries, whether it's as a producer's license so they can automatically um, sell their, their their beer as a at markets or um, you know uh, at various venues. Does the South Australian uh, government support the, the brewers as much as they've always supported the wineries? Uh, the short answer would be no. Um, and I, I suspect that's, you know, that's quite similar across across the country. Obviously, there are some exceptions to that. But uh, no, wine is wine is king in, in SA still very much. Um, in terms of a, you know, a, a detailed analysis, that probably speak to what, you know, one, of the, one of the craft brewers and they'd, they'd give you in a, you know, probably far too much detail <laughs> exactly uh, what could be done to make their lives easier or at least to you know, put them on par with, with the wineries. Um, fair to say in terms of licensing that um, South Australia has some of the most um, uh, restrictive licensing, liquor licensing laws uh, in the country and I think that's been the flip side of it in terms of um, breweries wanting to set up um, cellar doors effectively. I know there have been all sorts of uh, hassles with that in terms of um, what kind of licence um, how they get the licence, what that requires them to do. And so, you know, I'd, I'd, I think, you know, and even, even in terms of, um, you know, small bars, then our, the South Australian government is only just uh, starting to take seriously the idea of, of encouraging um, small bars and small bar licences, which has been obviously happening in the eastern states for years and um, working quite successfully. So, yeah, a little, little bit, um, a little bit, lagging behind a little bit in, in that respect. Um, although there are noises in terms of producers' licences and a bit more flexibility in that area, and certainly in terms of small bars, so I think over the next couple of years it will become easier. But at present, it's um, it's it's pretty tough going, and there's there's quite a, a quagmire of bureaucratic gear to deal with. Now, Jade, one uh, a, I guess a new mantle that or a, 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 that may be bestowed upon you, 
that honour, if you like. Um, and I don't know if you're even aware of it yet, but um, you're, you're the Queen of Pooh. Um, <laughs> for, those, for those who don't know, Jade was the... Uh, Jade, and look, go to the Weedy, have a look at their website, sign up for their newsletter. You'll soon find that the crew down there are, uh, are not afraid of a pun or uh, a witty wordplay. And Jade was the one who came up during uh, Good Beer Week. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was in conjunction with Crafty and a few other venues. I know Jess at the tramway you were uh, involved with. Um, yeah. The Pint of Origin, so P-O-O, um, which really became popular. And we spoke to Corey who's organising Newcastle Beer Week, who's also doing adopting the Pint of Origin. So do we need to perhaps work out some royalty sort of situation there for you? Or are you, <laughs> are you, are you, are you happy for, you know, for Pooh to go interstate? Well, there has already been some uh, some movement on that uh, on on that level, and it's, it's not me copywriting it. I can tell you, but uh, no, it would have been uh, you know would have been wise to do so. No, it was, it was crafty uh, crafty's idea in terms of the you know out the uh, having home away from home for uh, different uh, from interstate interstate craft breweries, which is a, a fantastic idea, I think. So you can go to you know go to the tramway and have a selection of South Australian crafties on tap, but. You know, it needed. It did need a good cheesy pun name, I thought, and a pint of origin struck me as a as as a as a natural a natural one. So yeah, love love the poo, and then of course you know was was aware of that, and uh, and people started uh, uh, referring to and tweeting about going on poo crawls, <laughs> and I thought <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. Let's you know where are we going to start our poo crawl, and uh, you know there seems to be a bit of a theme because um, we've. Uh, we have our, our hoppinator, which we call the glass hopper, and uh, have been sort of retrofitting, retrofitting or retro fucking uh, other people's beers for quite a time. And uh, inspired by Nicola's Beer Geek Brunch Weasel, I thought, well, it's going to be perfect if we grab your, your moose stout and pour it through Copy Luwak coffee beans and retrofitting it and effectively turning it into our own version of that, which then becomes Poo Moon. So it was, there's, there's, you know, there's a bit of a theme, you know. So we've had Pumu, and then we poured some Southwark Stout through the, the glasshopper through Copy Luwak and called it uh, Southwark Civet. And then uh, um, Bridge Road, Robust Porter became Robusta Porter, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, yeah, no, never too many cheesy puns. And the more that uh, refer to anal humour, the better, we reckon. <laughs> You'll fit in here then. <laughs> there'll, there'll, there'll be more, I tell you. There'll, there'll be more. You know, the little fogs of darkness have found it a popular or you know, all these things. But, uh, but no, poo, poo, I'm happy with it. I think as, as the idea, um, idea is fantastic, and I, I'm, I'm more than happy for it to, for it to spread. I'm sure Crafty is in terms of the idea, and I think it's, you know, I think it's uh, shit hot and will work well wherever it, uh, wherever it goes. Oh, look, as far as spreading, I think it's about to hit the fan. I think it'll. Um, <laughs> Well, that is a plan, and that's you know that's that's a good part of the the craft beer industry, I reckon. You know that it's it's yeah, it's still at that point. There's there's just you know so so many warm fuzzies, and you know there are a few little you know factions that are starting to develop and all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of interesting too, and most people, you know, uh, you know, approach that with a, a fair degree of humour. And I, I like the idea that there's still a sharing of ideas, and you can you know come up with something, let it run, let it develop, and see what happens. And you know the other poo, the pumu. Um, uh, was picked up by uh, the Malt House in uh, in New Zealand, in Wellington, and uh, I think Collins uh, tracked down some copy Luwak and he's pouring his uh, his Moo Velvet Sledgehammer, which is another of our cheesy puns, um, yeah, through his glasshopper. So there's there's even Pumu across the ditch now. Yeah, so there you go. I, I can't more than happy, more than happy to uh, to, to spread the poo of. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> well. <laughs> the least we can do really yeah exactly matt and jade uh, jade what have you got coming up in uh you know, at the weedy in coming months uh we, we've got the big summer of beer coming up have you got any events and activities planned indeed well we've got the uh, the fountain of hoppiness uh this wednesday in fact that kicks off and that's uh, as, a, as a counterpoint to our uh, font of darkness so, Now, I just might, just as, just might interject there and give a quick disclaimer. Readers, I'm sorry if I uh, don't get this up before the Fountain of Hoppiness takes place, but Pete's written about it on on site, so you have been warned. Indeed, and thank you. We've well, got a whole month, it's, uh, Matt. It's all of September. It is all of September. Okay. Yeah, so it kicks off 
uh, on the Wednesday, that's when we, we launch it, but effectively it runs throughout September, and we've got you know something in the order of 35 to 40 different hop monsters that we'll be pouring, so IPAs, double IPAs, APAs, you know, hoppy saisons, et cetera, et cetera, uh, including some really quite exciting brews, and, and many of which we haven't had on tap before. Um, so that'll take over a font and the hand pump. So at least seven of, of 13 taps are going to be hot monsters throughout September. So that should uh, liven things up. And uh, nice. we have the Dark Secret uh, launch, which is a uh, it's a coordinated national launch of the Nergna Moylands Hargraves Hill collaboration that um, uh, that took place over Good Beer Week in Melbourne, and that's yep. uh, featuring the Victoria's Secret hop, dark, hoppy, strong. I dare say beer. No one really knows much else about it, unless you guys have tried it. Have you guys tried it? There were no. rumours of a no. few bottles going out to going out to the the likes of your good selves, uh, but no. it's all pretty secret. So we'll, we'll, we don't know what it's going to be like. We're launching it this Saturday. That's the, the national launch day. This Saturday the eighth, uh, and we're pouring that from five o'clock, uh, a couple of kegs, and when when they're gone, they're gone. So it's quite a quite a specky collaboration there. Um, what have we got coming up uh, in November? Oh, in October, uh, it's the Mountain Goat uh, 15th birthday bash. So we've got a, uh, a few things going on there. Obviously, Cam and Dave are coming to town with their triple hightail. Uh, Rumour has it they'll also have a you know black IPA in tow and a number of other various brews. And we've uh, held over a very special keg for them, which is you know possibly the only keg left in existence. Um, so we'll be pouring that for their birthday as well. We've got a few other things planned for them. Uh, and then in November, we got a little... Uh, uh, Una Festa, a little Italian craft beer festival. So Kerry will be coming over from Beer Italiana and we'll have, uh, again, at least 15 to 20 uh, Italian crafties on tap, along with some other hoo-ha and, I dare say, some accordions. Uh, did you say accordions? I did say accordions. We have our uh, the uh, the uh, elite accordion ensemble, which we uh, we discovered at the German club, and uh, they, they make regular appearances here. And I reckon, well, you know, I reckon you're more likely to get a version of Roll Out the Barrels from them than the bloody weedy ukulele collective who, you know, it's like herding cats, I tell you. Just for the readers, uh, or for the listeners, we have asked JD's uh, ukulele collective to record a version of Roll Out the Barrel or our uh, signature tune, Beer Barrel Polka. Um, so look, if you can get the uh, accordions to record a uh, version of Beer Barrel Polka, Polka, we'd certainly uh, run it as on on our site or as our uh, theme. Excellent. Well, they're, they're crackers. The average age of about seventy, and uh, you know, full sort of national national costume, lots of Bavarian action going on, and uh, uh, they they're gold, absolutely gold. And the, the drummer, I think, would be pushing eighty, and uh, you know, you can barely see her head over the drum kit, but she gives it a, a fair old crack. And they're um, they're, they're fantastic. You know, the uh, Frank Sinatra medleys, Australiana medleys, and roll out the barrel and you can't hear it. It's, it's, talk about cheesy goodness you can't help but smile listening to them I tell you and well drink. let's see if we can't get them on tape alright uh, uh, yeah, as I said that might be a good kick up the bum for the uh, the weedy uh, the weedy ukulele collective as well because we can't be outdone by the elite accordion ensemble elite accordion and ensemble all in the same elite sentence I never, <laughs> not only did I never think that I would hear those words together but I didn't that it would make Make me smile and make me have such a good feeling, and 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 I'm sitting here brimming with anticipation. I just, <laughs> okay, and we're, we're going to have to do a, a little. There, there'd have to be a video as well. I think I don't think we could just let that go through, Matt. Just as a as an audio version, I think we'd have to might have to pop over to the wedding. I think and and uh, with camera in hand. Yeah, I, we might have to. Might need some videos yeah. on that one. Uh, careful what you wish for. That's all I can say. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you never erase that from uh, from your from your mind. But uh, no, absolutely. Well, we can we can hook, hook up a visit. It's been a while since you guys have been here. Where we can coordinate it with something else and uh, and make sure the elite accordion ensemble, are, you know, pounding the pounding the decks. Beautiful. Well, Jade, thank you for joining us. Um, for once, well, I'll say once again, but thank you for joining us for the first time for the listeners of Radio Brews News. Um, as we've said to you in the past, the Wheat Chief is really one of the best pubs in Australia, not just good beer pubs. So congratulations on all you've achieved. Thank you very much, and thank, thanks for your support, guys. Oh, no, and thank you for your support of uh, Brews News. And uh, look, you know, while we're s- sitting around hugging each other and saying uh, kumbaya. Yeah, um, <laughs> yes. Kumbaya on ukuleles. Yep, go on. <laughs> yes. And accordion. <laughs> Careful what you wish for again, you know. That's the B-side. Thank you for joining us. That's the B-side. And uh, 
And hopefully we will get to uh, join you in Adelaide again very, very soon. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Prof. Thanks, Matt. Take care, Jade. Good on you, Jade. See ya. Matt, that was good. Well, Prof, Matt, I, I never thought I could find somebody that could speak quite as quickly for so long without interruption uh, as, as myself. Yeah, or, yeah, or Steve Jeff- Jeffers. Yes, he, he goes. He goes close when, as well. when he gets on a passion roll. He, um, yeah, he can be. He can be pretty similar. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, lovely, excellent, Prof, mate. Um, I, I think that about wraps it up for, for another show. We'll keep it tight, round about the hour. Um, That's good. Are we still recording? We are still recording. Sorry about that. So we'll go, yeah, sorry, we'll, sorry for waffling, no, no, then, uh, listeners. I thought, I thought we were out. <laughs> keep that bit, keep that bit in because uh, uh, mouse clicking, uh, my phone going off in the background, and for those who haven't worked out already, the wheat sheaf is directly under the flight path of um, Adelaide Airport. Uh, just as the, you can almost see the wheels coming down as as, as the planes cross the the weedy. So we may have got a couple of um, uh, little background uh, vignettes for you there as well to enjoy. Mate, have you listened to the uh, have you listened to the playback of the last episode yet? Specific. So we're getting we're getting into the whole kind of islander kind of I don't know you know like uh... no that, that that was a time before uh, the, the the last one was uh, French was the French inspired version oh yeah yeah sorry yes yes uh, no and and I've, I've, I've and, and your little I don't, I don't listen to anything yet. I've been busy Father's Day and all that well, stuff. You... <laughs> You, you, you'll enjoy it. I just left your waffle going uh, to punctuate the here. So, anyway, as the German, the good German band strikes up uh, for us now, Prof, always good to talk to you, and uh, look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Very much so. Take care, listeners. Thanks for putting up with it. Thank you, soon. If there's air time out there, send money so we can find answers. Is that enough waffle? Roll out the barrel, we'll have a barrel of fun. Roll out the barrel, we've got the blues on the run. She'll run, there they go. Sing, go to Rero. Sing out a song of Now's the time to roll Roll the barrel Goes against all years And we're out.